Welcome to the Fans Edge Sports Talk Podcast, hosted by your boys, Mike and Essex. We want to give listeners a fresh take on all things sports. We are professionals. We are fans just like you. Getting into the getting into the start, man. How was your weekend? Uh, how'd you celebrate? What you do? Uh, I just chill with the family, man. Had a little get together. Got to see all my nieces and nephews and my sisters and all that. One of my nephews just walked up on me and started beating me up for no reason. But dang, how big is your nephew, man? Uh, he just he just twelve. He. Oh, I was about to he say right. he might be bigger than you. I mean, I do have a nephew named Jalen that apparently is twice my size. And the last time I saw him, he wasn't nothing but like this tall. So it's ridiculous. But what about you, bro? What you do? Man, nothing. My nephew, I mean, y'all hear me talk about it every week. My nephew had another baseball tournament. They didn't do so hot uh, this go round, but hey, you, you live to fight another day, you know? Um, so that's all I really did. Then after his tournament, it was crazy because his games was at like 4.30 and 6.30 yesterday. Um, if you're listening to the show recording, we are recording Sunday night. Um uh, July 5th for those are, that are listening. And, you know, I mean, I, I had to cook late, but we got to watch some fireworks. I didn't have to buy any because the whole neighborhood just went ahead and shot the whole neighborhood up. You could just smell nothing but fireworks smoke all the way in my backyard. I mean, I'm definitely not complaining. Now I know I don't need to buy fireworks. I'm going to let the neighbors do all of that, you know. But it was a good time. You know, always good when you can enjoy time with the family, so. Not gonna complain about that at all. Okay. Yep. Yep. But uh we got a lot of news going around college football, you know, and just in sports generally. I mean, and everybody listening to this, if you have something that you want to talk about, go ahead, post it in the comment section, and we will uh let you join the discussion and talk about it, debate about it as well. So my man Lincoln Riley, I mean, which we have talked about on this show multiple times, said that having football in the spring is doable if the pandemic continues to somehow affect the fall sport, right? Yeah. And, I mean, we've talked about it. If they need to move it to the spring, they need to move it to the spring. Now, I'm just of the, of the assumption I feel like if you're going to move it to the spring, they should have been done that. They should have been taking care of it. Just go ahead, move it to the spring. I don't think that they're going to move it to the spring. I definitely think that they're going to continue to have it in the fall. Now, we probably will see smaller colleges end up moving to spring. That that does nothing but help me out because now, guess what? XFL's no more. We got spring football, guys. So I wouldn't be mad about it, but I definitely need some football Right now. Right now. For sure, for sure. Right now, I think they'll go ahead and try to do it this year and see how it goes. And then if it doesn't go too well, I think the next year, then they'll try and do it in the spring. But I could also, like you said, see some some smaller schools just going ahead. And some of them had already canceled the season. And then just bring it back for next year in the spring. Right. Now, the NFL came out and said that they will not allow this pandemic to ruin the NFL draft in 2021. So, 
I mean, right now, players are definitely looking to go ahead and play in the fall. If you know, I mean, this this is big money business and college football. They came up with a, you know, three year rules and these three year rules basically did nothing but help the NFL also help themselves as well. So there's definitely some alliances and things like that. So what the NFL says goes sometimes and sometimes the NCAA just has to kind of fall, fall in, in the place, you know? So, I mean, the correct, because if, this is the thing. If we, if some teams end up playing in the, in the spring, there might be some players who just don't play at all. Hey, I can go to the league and I don't have to worry about, uh, let's say, what, what don't they have to worry about? They wouldn't have to worry about injuries, things like that. So, I mean. You're right. You make a good point. It's really the wild, wild west. It'll, it would be the wild, wild west if it ended up being like that. Yeah. Speaking of the NFL, man, you know, uh, what's your thoughts on the NFL playing the Black National Anthem for week one game? I mean, I get it. I get it, but I don't get it. It's it's not what I understand what they're trying to do, but this isn't what we want. We just want justice. Okay, we you you apologize. You said we were wrong. We shouldn't have did what we did. We shouldn't have acted like social injustice wasn't a thing. Okay, we understand that. Now you're trying to show us, but this isn't the way to show us. I get it. Like it. I'm I'm up in the air about it. Like I'm not really up in the air about it, but I understand what they're trying to do. But this isn't what we want. Right. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And one thing is, is history always taught us or history has taught us. And a lot of these owners know the NFL definitely knows that every time they try to, you know, they they'd be like, oh, here's this is for you all, you know. This is for you minorities. There's always something else in place, you know, and they're going ahead and changing these symbols and doing all of this stuff, but that's not what we've been asking for. We're talking about some reform in the justice system, you know? I mean, and to be honest, that goes across an entire spectrum, not just for, you know, African-American or minorities, but I mean, we're hearing about people who are out here Raping women. I have a daughter. Someone did that to my daughter and they get probation. You might as well lock me up for murder. It's not happening. Not happening. I I, I have a huge problem with that. You know, um, I mean, I could go, you know, the list goes on, but I'm just not OK with this. This is not what we need. Um, if the NFL was going to use its platform for anything and before, you know, the games kick off and they talk about you know, ways to change these systems and push to change these systems, then that's something that I can get behind. But again, like I've I've said, you're, you're apologizing, but you're not, you're, you're saying stuff, but you're not giving us any action. And the reason why exactly. I say you're not giving us any action is, is if you really felt what you were saying, Colin Kaepernick would already be signed right now. He would have been signed when y'all was doing them little advertisement during the Super Bowl. Yeah. Flat out. 
So really, I just feel like it's a publicity stunt. It's divisive for sure. Something else that we don't need right now. Agreed. But getting back to college football, man. My man, Jimbo Fisher. Hey, I do got to say this, man. These violations with Texas A&M were really just, why do the violations with the SEC always get swept under the rug, man? You know, we we, don't, we didn't really hear about these violations. We we didn't know about, about what was going on. And come to find out, these violations started a month after Jimbo got there. Uh, Jimbo got the bag. <laughs> he got I the mean, bag. I mean, the 10-year the, the deal he got, all of them millions and millions of dollars. And, I mean, I just want to know why ESPN's not outraged, you know, why they not dragging him through the mud, things like that. I mean, because the LSU situation – there's th- there should have been some sanctions off of that. I know that they went ahead and put it all on on the booster and and making him serve time or whatever and all of that, making him go through court. But the LSU y'all found out y'all were caught. Players took money. They took money. I don't know. I like I said, Jim Jimbo got the money. Apparently, he can keep people quiet. I remember. Long time ago, I was on like a little church trip, and a dude saw somebody on with a Texas A&M belt buckle on. He was like, "If you ever see somebody that went to A&M, you know they set." I don't know what he meant by that, but apparently, I don't. It's not a good look, regardless, especially it being Jimbo because he's supposed to be one of the best coaches in college football, (laughs) and he has to go to these tactics to. Not even win, not even have a. He's had injuries on the team, yeah, but he hasn't done too well in his tenure. And I don't understand why they paid him all this money. So, with these allegations, violations, it's not a good look. I mean, and, and to be honest, you know, you brought up a great point when you, you talked about the guy saying that, you know, if you went to Texas AM, you're set for life. I mean, this is probably a culture that Jimbo Fisher really just walked in on. To be honest with you, that that's really the the vibe that I'm getting from this whole situation. Because immediately you're talking about a month that you start. I mean, it's literally like in the interview they was like, "Hey, we got me me booster so and so, me booster so and so. This is what we do. This is how it's done." Get on board or get off. You know, Sounds I mean, right. I mean that that's really what I'm getting. But if if you don't know what the violations were, the violations really had to do mostly with recruiting and how they recruited. And you know, there's dead periods in recruiting, things that you can't do, you can't talk to players, um, can't visit players or anything like that outside of certain times. There's also an amount of hours you can spend talking to a recruit, things like that. Well, Texas A&M and even one of the former assistant coaches, Jay Graham, were found out that they were speaking to recruits when they're not supposed to at all. 
Now, for these violations, what Texas A&M has is Jimbo Fisher is banned from all off-campus recruiting. The staff cannot go to uh, any high schools to recruit. And it, to me, this is just silly because, you know, this is kind of what the NFL deal with the New England Patriots. You know, they must go through recruiting training. <laughs> like, these coaches know exactly what they can do and what they can't do in recruiting. Come on, you know when the dead periods are. I mean, literally, if you watch TV, ESPN even tells you, hey, this is the dead period. You know, they, they talk about it all the time. So Jimbo knew what he was doing, and then there's a little – $5,000 fine to go along with that. Like I keep saying, chump change. Chump change. It really is chump change. I don't know, man. It's kind of... I kind of took offense when you said all these SEC schools, and then I thought about it. Georgia did just come out with some violations not too long ago that nobody knew about, that they self... whatever. I don't know. It's a whole other thing, but I don't SC, know why they keep getting swept under the rug. But it's SEC cool. and ACC always gonna be good for life. <laughs> hey, I'm serious, man. I'm telling you, uh, ESPN got you covered. You don't gotta worry about it. But if you at any other conference, sorry, if your team screw up, you're getting the hammer. It's coming down like that. But uh, another in top news. Talking uh, some more about Mike Gundy and what happened. So after, you know, the whole debacle with Chuba Hubbard, him wearing a shirt and everything, you know, a review board, they did an internal, like, investigation into the culture of the school. Shout out to, you know, Oklahoma State for doing that. You know, I do give them props because one thing that they found and that they said after doing this review with Mike Gundy is that, he needs to build a stronger bond and better line of communication with his players, you know, and that kind of tells, tells you that there is some disconnect. And I don't think that when you go in, like we, like I said, when you go and you sit in people's living rooms and say that I'm going to take care of your son and stuff like that, there should be no disconnect between the coaches at all and the players. There should be none. You know, it is it, are you just literally investing in them just for on the field only? What about off the field? What about shaping these young men into being better young men? You're right. Uh, this is a bad look for Mike Gundy and pretty much his culture because if he has to have a board tell him that he needs – to put more time into building stronger relationships with his players, that tells you something's off with that culture. And that tells you why Oklahoma State, they weren't, they haven't been the best of teams, but they were up there in the conversation and now they kind of just fell off. It, right. I don't know. I just how do you how do you need somebody to come in to tell you that your player has a voice too, and he can go out or they can go out as long as they're within their rights and do what they have to do to let their voice be heard. I don't get it. Uh, I mean, I agree, but uh, also Mike Gundy, he had to go ahead and take uh, a million dollar pay cut 
a lot of sources are coming out saying that you know he he came up with this you know i don't think anybody's ever trying to lose the bag or fumble (laughs) the bag i'm sorry i think that you know and then now his contract isn't for five years it's for four years i don't really understand that either i mean what i really would have liked was for him to give a real apology you know that's something that I'd be able to rally behind. But it is what it is. Now, getting to what we are wanting to talk about, my favorite part of football, my favorite part of almost any sport is defense. You know, that's what I look for. Uh, talking with my nephew, we was uh, actually, we were watching the Florida and Auburn game <laughs> of last year, you know, and because he's about to play football this this upcoming year, he's always told me, no, I'm not going to play football. I'm not. But he decided that he wants to play football. And I'm like, okay. So we're talking. He told me, you know, maybe he's been working on offensive line, thinking about defensive line. So, you know, me, I know defense. So I'm asking, hey, what defense is that defense in? What are you looking at when you're watching this game? You know, I mean, he the literally my nephew is bigger than me, bigger than me, probably way more than me as well. Oh, I've seen. You. Yeah, you see. Yeah, you see my nephew. <laughs> I mean, dude is big for his age, man. And and, you know, I, I tell him, you know, a lot of these players, especially in high school, are able to use their strength and their athletic ability to get over on players. But I, I don't want him to be that type of player to just. Use that. What are you going to put in your toolbox? You know, what are you going to go and learn the technique, the actual technique? Because that's what's going to that's what's going to help you succeed. Not just going out there mauling dudes because nine times out of ten, them dudes going to be smaller than him. Flat out. Flat out. I'm already knowing it. But that's not going to do anything for him if he goes to the next level. So why not work on it now? So, uh, you know, I got my top five players, but I want to hear your top five. Who you got in your top five, and why are they in your top five? My top five, one, Derek Stingley Jr., two, Sean Wade, three, Michael Parsons. Oh, sorry. Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback, LSU. Sean Wade, cornerback, B. Ohio State University. Michael Parsons, <laughs> Michael Parsons, linebacker, Penn State University. Kayvon Thibodeau, defensive end, Oregon University. And Quincy Roche, Roche or Roche, I'm sorry, I don't really know how to say it. Defensive end, University of Miami. Derek Slingley at my number one because he met the high expectations coming in, coming in as a true freshman, and he really – blew the hype out of the water. It was no hype, really. He came in, he showed up and did what he was supposed to do. Started off 15 games, was a very key piece, like, in the defending national championships defense. So, and he had six interceptions, 38 tackles, and 21 pass breakups. So, he really did his thing out there as a true freshman. So, he's only going to get better with time up. I assume, especially being at LSU, where they are really good at spitting out DBs like nobody's business. Two, Sean Wade. 
Ohio State, tons of production. Even though he didn't play a lot, he did put up a lot of production. And now that Damon Arnett and Jeff Okuda are gone, he, I am assuming, is going to be the number one starting cornerback and get even more production. And from what you tell me, Kerry, Kerry Combs. Yep, you got it right. <laughs> Kerry Combs. Kerry Combs is one of, if not the best, defensive back coaches in the game. So he's going to get developed right and will potentially be a first-round draft pick. Michael Parsons made an instant impact in 2018 when he went to Penn State, put up good numbers. 2019, he did even better, was a key piece in the Penn State defense that averaged 16 points a game. Not only not held him to 16 points a game, but he averaged 16 points a game. And he had 109 tackles. 14 of those tackles were for loss, five sacks, four forced fumbles. One of the top players in the Big Ten. Kayvon Thibodeau, one of the players to watch out for regardless. He's just going to be a beast. Came in, true freshman, started, did his thing. Got better as the season went on. He's only going to have time to get bigger and stronger, so he's going to be a force, of course. And then Quincy Roche-Roche, I'm sorry, transferred from Temple to Miami, 6'4", 235, big, strong, nice with his hands, causes havoc in the backfield. So him with the other end from Miami, they are going to just be a nice little defensive tandem. And that's my top five. Well, I mean, to be honest, that's a really good top five. I mean, to be honest, it's almost it, – I mean, we, we really have almost the same exact players. I don't have, you know, Quincy Roche from from Miami in there. Uh, my number one, I got Dylan Moses. And a lot of people are going to say, you know, who's Dylan Moses? And Dylan Moses is the middle linebacker for Alabama. Now, you did not see him all of 2019 because he was injured. But – what a lot of people don't realize is the middle linebacker is the quarterback of the defense. Gets the defensive line ready and gets the secondary ready as well, you know. And that's one of the key reasons why I said that I knew the LSU had a chance because I knew that defensively Alabama was going to fall off with the key injuries that they had. And Dylan Moses, who in 2018 was a Buckets Award finalist, Finalist, he's definitely a top playmaker. Uh, in 2018, he led Alabama in tackles, you know. I mean, I, I think he's about to have a monster season this year uh, as long as he doesn't get injured and will actually be able to get Alabama back to what they need. I mean, having him on the field, some say it's like having Nick Saban on the field with him. So, I mean, dude's a, dude's a monster. If you don't believe me, go watch his highlight tapes. At number two, I have Sean Wade, like you said, cornerback from the Ohio State University. He led Ohio State last year and uh, with with four interceptions. I mean, and where he where they put him was slot was to be the slot nickel. If if you understand that position and who he had to guard, he was guarding some of the most the fastest, shiftiest elusive athletes on the field. Now, I believe he's going to move outside and be able to show 
what he could do on the outside as well. So a lot of people are going to be like, okay, why do you have him at number two and not Derrick Stingley? And uh, the reason being is because he's showing me more of what he can do and versatile at all defensive back positions. That's why I have him there, you know. And out of uh, in his career, out of thirty, out of thirty uh, receptions, I mean, he's only allowed thirty receptions on two hundred and forty nine coverage snaps. That is amazing, amazing. And that's not saying that you know he was allowing people to just take it to the house on him. I know Ohio State used to play a lot, a lot of man coverage, you know, and to just out of out of almost two hundred fifty coverage snaps. You only allow 30 receptions. A lot of a lot of cornerbacks or DBs cannot say that. They just cannot. Um, and at number three, right up under Sean Wade, I do have cornerback Derek Stingley. We've talked about him on other episodes. I think this kid is definitely going to be a top five cornerback as well. LSU is known for putting out DBs. And to be honest, last year, even though he was a true freshman, he was still by far – their best defensive back, even better than Delpit, who uh, won the Thorpe Award, should not have won it. Um, but, I mean, he led the SEC in interceptions, led the Power Five in pass breakups, passes defended, led the entire Power Five. We're talking about as a true freshman. I am excited to see where he takes his game to the next level this coming season. At number four, I got Michael Parsons. As you said, I know you had him at number three. I went ahead and put him at number four. This is a guy that was recruited by Ohio State. We didn't end up getting – we were told that we had to stop recruiting him, which I was definitely hurt by. Um, Penn State used him in a linebacker role. And I thought that he was going to come to Ohio State and be a defensive end. Now, Kirk Herbstreit, who you know – on college game day, had Michael Parsons on the set, and that was an NCAA violation. So we were told, cease all communication. You cannot recruit this guy. Penn State was already his second pick. But like I said, dude's a beast. The fact that he's able to be a linebacker um, as big as he is, like I said, I thought he was going to be a defensive end. It just goes to show you, how versatile, how much of an athlete he is because this kid can also drop back in the coverage, which I think is scary. At the next level when he is drafted, I think that he's going to actually be able to play in a 3-4 defense and a defensive coordinator is going to love the heck out of him. Seriously. Um, at number five, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. Oh, my God. I I mean, really, it was kind of debate. I was like, man, I could put him up higher. I could – I mean, literally, you're talking about another guy who's a true freshman and wreaked havoc in the Pac-12 for Oregon. He holds the freshman sack uh, sack record at Oregon. I mean, what this kid is able to do is crazy. They use him on special teams to block, to block punts. This man dropped in coverage, not zone. He was playing man and stopped the stopped the wide receiver from catching the ball. I mean, and, and he's a defensive end. Another guy who I think will be great in a three-four. But we still got two more years of seeing him 
in college ball. So I'm really excited to to watch him. And this and this these are the type of athletes that the head coach from Oregon is trying to get more SEC style, more Big Ten style athletes that are fast, twitch, strong, and can wreak havoc on offenses. And that's why it's really going to be hard for anybody in the Pac-12 to to unsee. I mean, USC, I know they're doing a little bit better in recruiting. I know everybody's looking for them to do better. Uh, they have they have the quarterback talent. We saw that when they went through their uh, depth chart last year because quarterbacks kept getting hurt. We know they have wide receivers, but I don't see them unseeing Oregon, not the way Oregon is recruiting and definitely not the way Oregon has been playing. Seriously. So that's my top five right there. I mean, we could kind of talk. If if anybody defensively is going to surprise you as a whole, team-wise, who would you say that will surprise you and probably be better this year on the defensive side of the ball? I would have to go with Alabama, actually. I didn't so I didn't put Dylan Moses in my top five simply because he was hurt all of last year. And some guys come back and they just don't look the same or aren't the same. So I don't want want to put him in my top five. But I also agree with you that he is the captain of the defense, the coach, the on-field coach of the defense. And that defense looked a whole lot better and was a whole lot better with him out there. They, You could tell that they missed him out there because they had to put in, I think it was two true freshmen or whatever. Yep. And they obviously aren't Dylan Moses and don't know what they're doing like Dylan Moses. So he will, when he comes back, they didn't lose too much to the draft defensively, I don't believe. So when he comes back, they will be right. I we talked we we've said that the SEC is wide open, but if Dylan Moses is back and that defense is similar to what it usually is, I'm not gonna give it to Alabama, but I would, I will give the West to Alabama. One one of our Facebook users, LaQuasi Young, he went ahead and said the team that I was already thinking about was Oklahoma. And I'm gonna tell you what wake up. <laughs> I'm going to tell you why I think Oklahoma. They they looked better last year than what they have. Their defense, you could tell the improvement, but you can also see some of the things that were still hindering them. Now, that was just one year under the Alex Grinch system. Alex Grinch is known year by year to get his defense better. It shows if you go and look at his track record defensively, uh, I'm trying to think where he came from. I think he was in the – I know he was in the Pac-12. Uh, I'm trying to remember what team it was, but because he really wasn't the defensive coordinator when he was at Ohio State. So that's why I'm not throwing that on him at all. That was all Greg Schiano. But when he got to Oklahoma, you see the changes. I think another year in this defense is going to help the players be able to understand, and it's going to allow him to implement even more into his defense as well. So I look for Oklahoma to make a to make a case defensively. I know that we say you don't see defense 
in the Big 12. I still agree with it until they show us. But like I said, this is Texas year to beat Oklahoma. If they don't beat Oklahoma this year, it's never going to happen. And, and the defense of Oklahoma is the main reason why Texas probably won't win this year. And if they're not going to win this year, then I'm sorry. Spencer Ryler is going to have a field day. I don't know, man. Oklahoma is a good pick. I definitely don't think Texas will beat them just because it's Texas. And um, <laughs> Hey, Tom Herman going to get you, man. <laughs> but it's just the linebacking core for me because they did lose Kenneth Murray to the draft. I'm pretty sure they lost somebody else. And they lost Levi Draper to the transfer portal. He just went to Arkansas. And Arkansas just got a beast with him. They can make improvements. They will. I know they will. They have a great defensive coordinator, but we'll just have to see. We'll have to wait and see. The the proof is going to come down in recruiting, which Oklahoma has been doing a great job recruiting offensively. We already know that. Defensively, they are getting better. You see who they're going after. You see who they are able to get to commit to them. And I think that these commits are going to be able to play early, early and often as well. Um, it's, it's just really going to come down to how are, how are they going to be able in the Big 12 to stop the, the spread offense, the running gun. I mean, are, are they going to be able to, to develop defensive back at the caliber of what uh, LSU is doing, at the caliber of what Ohio State is doing, and Alabama as well, you know? Yeah. If they could get there, I mean. We'll have to see. I just – I don't see anybody because Oklahoma's offense is just too high-powered. I can see them slacking on the defensive side like they've been doing for – at least a couple more years and still coming out as big 12 champs. So. Hey, just as long as they don't get blown out, you know, in the college football playoffs and, you know, somebody got called down on the field and say, Hey, make it a game, make it a game. <laughs> you know, that's a yearly tradition. <laughs> hey, a lot of people aren't picking Oklahoma to go to the college football playoffs this year. They are like pick six, put Oregon in there. So, I mean, we're we're definitely later going to go back and rehash and talk about who we think and go ahead and finalize our uh, preseason picks and who we think is going to win in the conference and things like that and break that down because we did our way too early. But now that we're getting closer to the season – now that we're going to be able to see who's playing, who's out, things like that, now we'll get to uh, get to figure out what what's really happening. But like I said, I'm I'm really interested in this season because it's going to show us what players were slacking, what teams were slacking during this time, and because it's I mean these strength coach these strength coaches really have a task at getting these guys back up to football ready if these players weren't already staying football ready. Now, I know I've seen some players posted online, them working out and things like that. But 
is it the whole team? Because one player don't just, you know, make the whole team. Right. I've been thinking the same thing when I see players, when I see UF players posting up their little stuff on Twitter and I'm working out. I'm like, you need to send this to your teammates and get a response. Right. Where are your teammates at? That's what I want to know. Where are your teammates at? Why well, is you working out? Some work in silence, though. Some ain't got to put it out, like, out there like that. True. True. It's going to be a great season. Hey, we have more coming to you all. We're working. We're working hard. As you see, we got our logo in the top right corner. You know, we're working hard. We're working on things. And uh, also, like I said, we are going to end up getting some merchandise. So get ready. We already know who who's getting theirs. So as long as you're joining the conversation, joining this platform, we will continue to grow, continue to do big things, and looking forward to the season. Now, I will put this out there because last year me and Essek were both in the College Football Fantasy League. Now, the fans edge, if you are interested in doing college football fantasy, let us know because we're thinking about creating a league for you guys. So if you are interested, Go ahead, post in the comments or DM us. Let us know, and we will go ahead and create a league. As long as we have enough players, we'll go ahead and post it. If you have some friends who are interested or have been talking about it or thinking, this is the platform where they need to be. Make sure you're sharing this with everybody, sharing it on your Facebook, on your Twitter. You can follow us at The Fans Edge everywhere on every social media platform. We appreciate the support. Much love, and we out.